0: It's a film review Monday. We look back on the USF win for BYU. What did I take away after re-watching the tape? We'll explain. We'll also take an early look at Baylor. BYU a slight favorite in their home opener this coming Saturday. We'll obviously look back at the weekend that was for all other BYU sports ahead on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. (laughs) We'll <laughs> What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We are very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where of course the motto is, your team every day. And as such, this is your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Uh, by the way, thank you to all of you who supported the postcast edition of the show. Crazily enough, you guys could not get enough of that 50-21 to 21 win over USF. And we're going to talk a little more about it on today's show, but you guys were absolutely nuts. I put that up near midnight. I think it just passed midnight actually uh, on Saturday evening and you guys absolutely devoured it. So thank you to all of you for your support. It's great to be talking football once again, watching live football and hope you guys are having a fantastic Labor Day weekend or whenever you happen to watch or hear this. I uh, hope your Labor Day was fantastic or it is going great whenever you tune in. Uh, by way of introduction for any of you who may be checking us out for the very first time, my name is Jake. I work for the KSL Sports Zone in Salt Lake City, Utah as the executive Producer of DJ and PK, and I am your host here all week as we talk all things BYU. The goal here, simply stated on this podcast, is to make you the smartest BYU fans in the room. All right, let's look back. I had a chance to rewatch the tape from the USF game, as I usually do on Sunday mornings when I typically sit down and do it uh, before, obviously, doing some other family activities. But I was able to kind of cruise through the USF tape and write down some of my takeaways after rewatching the film. And the fun part, by the way, folks, about this is when BYU played as dominant as they played in that win against USF the funny thing about this is I got through the end of about the first quarter BYU's up 28 to nothing after one and in all all sincerity it felt like BYU at that point took their foot off off the gas and just really was like you know what we're going to cruise to a victory here and cruise to a victory they did if BYU wanted to keep the hammer down they probably could have named their score in this matchup I'm dead serious about this that USF defense had no clue what was coming for them and I I think it was evidenced by the very first play of the game. I'm actually going to pull this up here. I put this on my Twitter feed, by the way, at Jacob C. Hatch. I'm going to get rid of my little thing here. Uh, Give me a second, and we'll up this. So if you're listening to this on the podcast, it's from the very first play of the game for BYU. Obviously, the, uh, the touchdown run, for Puka Nakua, and the play, I went back and watched it, I rewatched it three or four times, but if you're watching this on YouTube look at this blocking scheme right here, and if you guys want to go to my Twitter feed, if you're on the regular podcast feed, you can see this, it's right there at the top of my Twitter feed they're about a perfect blocking setup for that play for the very first play from scrimmage for Puka Nakua to score on, as you probably could have hoped for, you have Dallin Holker number 5, sealing off the defensive end Chris Brooks took the other defense excuse me, uh, Dallin Holker taking in the linebacker. Christopher Brooks stayed engaged with the defensive end to give the chance for Puka to get around the edge there, and then out here at wide receiver, that was the fun part, was Mason Wake coming downfield, getting on that corner. Now, if you're, like I said, if you're watching this on YouTube, back here in the very back, that's the safety that Puka is left to handle on his own, and he handled him just fine on his way to the touchdown. Here's another angle of it. You can kind of see the blocks all engaged here. I'll scroll through one more, and you can see all the green grass right here. That's where Puka went, right up that side sideline 75 yards to the house this safety right here was the only one In the very back as you can see him kind of uh, darting to his right or left He takes it to the house, and what an incredible play. From that point on, BYU was off to the races, folks. I I don't care what uh, USF wanted to do. It felt like BYU was in control from literally the very first play of this game. So a couple of notes for you guys uh, that I took away. Number one, uh, a lot of people concerned about the kickoff strategy, and Kalani Sitake, to his credit, took the blame for that in the post-game press conference. They wanted to see what their kickoff coverage unit could do, and They failed in many respects. I actually counted, uh, I went back and watched, and every time Jake Oldrick kicked off, I noted where the receiver uh, received the football. So it was the 5, the 6, the 10, the goal line, the 4, the 10 when they scored the touchdown coming out of halftime, the 3, and then finally they did the little onside chip on the very last kickoff, just not wanting to give any more opportunities. I have a concern that uh, the strategy there, I went back and watched. I actually thought that the the pop-up strategy where idea, and I mentioned this on the uh, postcast edition, is the strategy from Ed Lamb, he's used for years, is to have the kicker approach it as if it's a punt. Kick it high and into the corner with the hopes that that coverage unit can get down in there and stay in their lanes and seal up any potential gaps. Well, USF exploited that. They had an All-American, um, Brian Battee, who actually, BYU, swallowed up pretty good. Joe Horn Jr. was actually the opposite guy of him who scored the touchdown on that kick return. And BYU probably will go back to the drawing board on this, but I actually, I, it lost Time. The first time I watched the tape, I felt like the kicks were not high enough for BYU. Funny enough, re-watching the tape, and I didn't have a stopwatch out by any means, but it seemed like the kicks actually were high enough. The coverage unit failed in staying in their lanes. Any of you out there who played football know that it, when it comes to kickoff coverage, you have a lane, if you're on that kickoff cover team, that you're expected to stay in. If you get out of that, it opens up seams and blocking gaps that allow guys like Brian Bettee, in this case, Joe Horn Jr., to exploit it for big-time returns, and that's exactly what happened for BYU. Will they they see if they, will we see this next week if they decide to kick it out of the back of the end zone? Who knows? But I also do uh, think some people out there uh, were saying that, well, Oldroyd's got plenty strong of a leg. Well, he has hit a 54-yard field goal, so I don't think it necessarily was a leg strength issue. I do wonder, though, at sea level, maybe the muggy air was affecting his distance on it. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to give him an excuse, give him an out, I guess, but was one of those things to pay attention to and we'll, we'll continue to watch that. Now another thing Tyler Batty and then obviously guys like Logan Latouille and Fisher Jackson when they came into the game played in a hybrid role for BYU along that defensive line I don't know how many of you noticed but a couple of times Tyler Batty actually lined up as like a middle linebacker for BYU in certain alignments for USF. He's playing a stand up rush end role and when it called for it he backed into a linebacker role where he actually played more of a spy technique. Many of you will recall when BYU took on Arizona and And Corbin Kafusi, this goes back to 2018, 2019. uh, But Corbin Kafusi, many of you might recall was called upon to play a spy package. That's exactly what BYU deployed against Gary Bohannon and to the, for the most part, it was pretty effective when they put it on the field. They wanted to slow down any potential run opportunities out of the pocket for Bohannon and that's what Tyler Batty, I said men- mentioned guys like Fisher Jackson and Logan Latoui L- L- who are playing that role were called upon to play. It was an interesting alignment and I think BYU is continuing to show that they are progressing along the defensive line. Was it a perfect performance? By no means was it a perfect performance but late in that game, I don't know how you notice, BYU is getting some pressure on Gary Bohannon with three and four man rushes. BYU hasn't had that for a long time, folks. If that is truly something they're capable of doing against the type of teams like Baylor this coming Saturday... Well, I think we may maybe, maybe cooking for some, with some bacon grease at that point, but against USF it was effective. We'll see if it continues to be effective. The safeties, yeah, I, I still think that they struggled in this game. I saw multiple instances where if Gary Bohannon is just a little more accurate, they could have exploited BYU for big gains. And by the way, the USF wide receivers did Gary Bohannon absolutely zero favors. The dude's got to be frustrated with his teammates, their inability to haul in some of the more catchable passes in that game. Now, Max Two, that pick six, is a highlight play, obviously, and he talked about it in postgame. He actually said, you know what? I was kind of driving up field, and I saw my guy kind of go out on that little swing route, and he said, my idea was to actually just come up and actually blow the guy up. But then the pass from Gary Bohannon, it's kind of a, I don't want to say a lazy pass, but he just kind of floated it out there, and Max Tuli kind of looked up and saw that, and he's like, I can take that, and he plucks it out of the air and runs it back for six. That was a fantastic individual play by Max Tuli. Max, by the way, we're going to get to this in a minute. The highest rated player in this game for BYU, according to Pro Football Focus, their individual player grades. We'll get to those here momentarily. I wanted to highlight some of those from PFF. We'll get to that in just a minute. Now, a couple other things I I really liked from this game. Uh, BYU was interesting with how they uh, lined up, especially along their defensive fronts. What I mean by that is guys like uh, Lorenzo Fawatea moved anywhere from a two technique, essentially as a nose tackle position, all the way out to a five technique, which is just outside. uh, Well, it's not outside. It's right heads up on an offensive tackle the versatility of BYU's defensive line I actually thought was a benefit to them in this game they were able to throw different combinations of guys out there uh, the starting defensive line it was Lorenzo Fawatea Caden Hawes and John Nelson alongside uh, Tyler Batty and I thought that combo was quite effective now I do have some concern about uh, Gabe Summers getting injured and then not coming back into the game I also have obviously the concern about Puka Nakua anything I learned this week I'll be sure to pass along to you guys because I don't have anything as of recording of this podcast but those two obviously there's going to be concern for Baylor because both of them are going to be big keys for BYU to hopefully uh, win that game in their home opener. Now, uh, one other thing here I wanted to pass along was BYU's wide receiving core. I talked about this. I hope... well. I don't know if I necessarily talked about it as much as I should have, but all training camp long, what I saw and what I was hearing was BYU's wide receiving core, they were going to throw body after body at opposing teams and let these guys prove what they could do. Well, it was evidenced by guys, 12 different players, not all of them wide receivers. I think there were at least eight wide receivers, possibly nine. Uh, actually, no, I think I've got eight on my phone here on my notes that I noted uh, caught passes from Jaron Hall in this game. 12 total players catching passes amongst the 25 uh, completions for Hall. Talk about spreading the wealth around. It was really fun to see. And guys like Terrence Fall, who you probably heard about in the recruiting sphere, and th- guys like that that popped up and were like, oh, hey, th- that guy actually can play. That's the fun part about this. Cody Epps was out there, Chase Roberts. Some of these dudes you've been waiting to see for BYU's wide receiving core were given that opportunity with both Gunnar Romney and Puka Nakua out of this game. So the hope is that both of those guys, of course, your lead dogs at the wide receiver position are back for Baylor and beyond. But the good news is some of these younger guys Showed some very, very nice things in this game. Now, final few notes here. I really liked uh, what I saw from uh, BYU's cornerback contingent of both D'Angelo Mandel as well as Caleb Hayes. I completely forgot that Caleb Hayes pretty much played in this game. He was lights out just in terms of locking down his side of the field. I know most people have the reputation that D'Angelo Mandel is BYU's uh, uh, kind of cover corner. Caleb Hayes has actually kind of inherited that role. Because think about it. How many times did you hear Caleb Hayes' name called last night outside of some tackle opportunities? He was really, really good. Also, i got to give a shout-out to Gabe Judy Lally. His ability to come up and make tackles and run support, uh, that's something that I think BYU's cornerback contingent has been lacking for a little bit. I, I, it's nothing against guys like Caleb Hayes and D'Angelo Mandel. I think they do just just fine. But Gabe Judy Lally... He enjoys the physical nature of this game. I saw him hit a couple of guys on some of those run plays and just coming up when guys short passes were thrown and just engaging with dudes. That was really fun to see because I think it really showed that he enjoys the physical nature of this game. And I think from his time in the SEC, he kind of got to be that type of a dude to survive in the environment he was in. I know it's at Vanderbilt, but still, it's in the SEC, the Southeastern Conference, and... All you got to do to learn about the SEC is look at what they did to Oregon and Utah last night, speaking of Georgia and Florida. So crazy, crazy stuff, but all things, all told, really, really impressed with what I saw from BYU in that. Alright, as I mentioned, I want to talk about some of the highlight players from PFF. Their individual grades also take an early peek at the matchup against Baylor this coming Saturday. We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. First, though a word on our friends over at Built Bar. I pulled it out last night because it was also sponsored on our postcast, but right here, folks, you see that if you're watching this on YouTube, that is the Built Bar Puff, the Cougar Tail Edition, the special BYU football edition. And folks, if you've had a Cougar Tail and you want the more healthy alternative alternative that is what the built C- built puff cougar tail flavor is for you it's packed full of all kinds of macros between 120 and 190 calories depending on which built bar you're looking at I'm actually gonna look at this one right now lifetime doing this right here in that crackling going on uh, on this one it's 150 calories on uh, the total sugars uh, you're gonna have six total sugars in this as well as 17 grams of protein packed in folks the macros are absolutely incredible the best part is 15% of all cells are of those Cougar Tail built bars, the built puffs are going right back to BYU Athletics and the BYU football program to the individual players. So you can support BYU football in another way by supporting our friends over at Built Bar. We're also going to save you some coin on your end as well. When you go to built.com right now, please use the promo code LOCKEDON15 that is L O C K E D O N 1 for 15% off your order. Order, excuse me. You heard that right. Locked On 15 for 15% off your order. Give the 15% back to the BYU football program Enjoy a delicious Built Bar, by the way. Enjoy a Cougar Tail anytime you want, even if you're not at LES or at Marriott Center. You can enjoy it in the comfort of your own home. Give it a shot. That's the Cougar Tail Edition Built Puff from our friends over at Built Bar. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. Now, uh, Pro Football Focus, for those of you who don't know, it was built up to look at the NFL. They've expanded their reach into the N- into the NCAA. I want to say the NFL. I was like, that's what I just said. But the NCAA, they actually look at each player. They grade them on every single play throughout an entire game, and then they throw up grades there, and their their numbers. So it's a number grade out of 100 So I wanted to highlight some players on PFF's list. I'm not going to necessarily go in order here, but the top-rated player, according to PFF, in this game was Max Thule for the BYU football program. I was really, really impressed with what I saw both live and when I watched my film review. Max was lining up everywhere. He played on the edge. He played his traditional linebacker role. He played a hybrid safety. He even, at one point, kind of was split out almost as a a slot corner at one point for BYU in this game. He talked about the fact that he's kind of been put into this, hybrid role and he relishes it because it gives him the opportunity to play the type of game that he wants to play. He's not necessarily the, the biggest linebacker, the fastest, etc. But what he is, is he's very, very smart. And that's what I love about him. He, he was given an 82.5 grade, by the way, I probably should, have, I kind of buried the lead there, but really, really liked what I saw from him. Uh, he was very good tackling in space. I thought he was lights out and well-deserved on his grade. Now the number two guy on the list should not be a surprise. Puka Nakua. And some of you are probably are saying, well, Why isn't Puka the highest-rated guy? Well, it's probably due to the fact that he played about eight minutes of this game. But Puka Nakua, in his short stint on the field... Absolutely lights out. He finished with an, with an 81.3 uh, grade had the two rushing touchdowns. Uh, there were some people out there I, I saw the tweet. I think it was Justin Christensen uh, uh, Who I think Justin actually listened to the show He mentioned the fact that he saw that uh, Puka was getting piggybacked to the locker room at halftime with his foot in the boot uh, I've got no clue folks if he's avail- available to play this week or not anything that I hear from our practice insiders people inside the program That talk to us on the condition of anonymity I'll be sure to pass it along to you, but I sincerely hope he's available because he was dying Dynamite early on in this game now a couple of surprises. I thought for some of you out there that felt maybe like BYU's defense Struggled in this game, especially the defensive line Caden Haas actually got a 76.8 grade He's BYU's starting nose tackle. I thought Caden re-watching the tape I was not necessarily as impressed uh, watching him live time when I was covering the game live But when I re-watched the tape Caden Haas I really liked the way he was going about playing that nose tackle role. It's it's a thankless job You don't get a lot of statistics. You're getting double and triple teamed on every single play your goal is to uh, tie up as many opposing offensive linemen to allow linebackers defensive ends etc to go and make plays that otherwise don't get made it really is a thankless job but for Caden Hawes to get a 76.8 grade I really really liked what I saw does he need to be a little better in terms of anchoring against the run absolutely the entirety of BYU's defensive lineup points against USF did have some struggles but the funny thing about this is the second half of the game I know people are like, well they let USF kind of claw their way back into the game. Folks, I was seeing guys twos and threes rotating in at linebacker, defensive line and in the defensive backfield for BYU as early as the very first defensive series in the second half. That's how much in control BYU felt in this game. They were throwing guys out there getting their feet wet and did they struggle in instances? Absolutely. For example, the final touchdown that Brian Batey, uh waltzed into the end zone off the edge, Jackson Kafusi was supposed to come up and play the edge. He got Got sucked inside, got sealed off, and Brian Batee was just uh, just off to the races at that point and scored the touchdown easily. That's a learning moment for a guy like Jackson Kafusi, who I believe is is he second string on the on the depth chart, maybe third string. There were a lot of bodies getting a lot of time in this game for BYU. The wealth defensively was spread across the board. Jacob Boren was your leading tackler for the Cougars in this game, so I, I get the excuse me, I, I didn't mean to hit my camera there, but I, I get the frustration uh, for some BYU fans with regards to how the second half went, but BYU, like I said, after the first quarter, they essentially took their foot off the gas in many ways and just kind of were were cruising along. They were they were they'd hit 60 and were just like, you know what? Let's just stay right here and do our thing. They didn't need to push it to 80 or 90. They 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 could have. Like I said, if they put their hammer down, BYU could have named their score in this game. Now, uh, I really liked what I saw from the offensive line in this game. Uh, funny enough, I actually thought that uh, Clark Barrington was gonna, going to, and he'll obviously be joining us this week in his weekly uh, a podcast appearance here on Locked On Cougars. I thought he was going to grade out as the best offensive lineman for BYU, and he graded out very well. He was actually a 75.6, uh, second among all offensive linemen for BYU you. The top offensive lineman, his compatriot at left tackle, Blake Freeland, an 80.1 grade. And Blake Freeland, there's a reason why he's getting all kinds of NFL draft love, folks. He is like just a prototypical offensive tackle. Very, very nice game for him. Uh, I really liked what I saw. And Blake, and I think that 80.1, let one. I'm look at this right now. Yeah, so he was actually the third highest uh, ranked player out, So behind uh, both Max Thule and Puka Nakua. Blake Freeland was your third highest rated player, according to PFF. Uh, Clark had a 75 point Six, the second best offensive lineman. The nice part is that left side, strong side, very much a true thing for BYU. So some very good things for BYU when it comes to the PFF uh, rankings. Now, as they turn their attention to Baylor later this week, we'll have plenty of coverage for you guys in the lead up to that. Drake Toll from Locked On Baylor is actually going to join me. Uh, we're supposed to record the podcast today, Monday. Uh, I'll probably get it to you at some point midweek is probably what we're looking at, but we'll get it to you soon enough. We'll get get his insight on the Baylor Bears, look ahead to that matchup. They beat Albany? I believe uh speaking of the Bears, but BYU an early look at them. Our friends over at Bet Online, one of our great sponsors here on the Locked On Podcast Network and Locked On Cougars, have installed BYU as a three point favorite on their home turf against Baylor. Now, in betting parlance, a three point favorite you as a home team, speaking of BYU, etc. You typically get a three point bounce as a home team. So essentially, the way I am reading this, BYU is being uh, tossed as a pick'em in this game. They're giving them that field goal advantage. Due to how betters go about things typically, but it means BYU has got a pretty decent shot. It's fifty-fifty shot, I guess, if you really want to dig into it of beating Baylor on uh, their home field at at. No. Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I kind of had a brain fart there for a, for a moment there. But I think the bigger thing right now is for BYU going into this Baylor matchup is yes, do you want to get some payback for what happened a year ago down there in Waco? Absolutely. But you cannot let your emotions get the best of you. This is a program, speaking of the Baylor Bears, they're a cold calculating type squad. They just, they go by their business. They kind of reflect their head coach. Dave Aranda is like the modern day Lavelle Edwards. He never changes his expression on on the football field. You could probably put a camera on him the entire game, and I would be stunned if he smirked, smiled, uh, frowned, did anything different than anything he does in his day-to-day life. He is just an even-keeled dude no matter what. And I'm not, I'm not trying to compare him to Lavelle Edwards in terms of his overall accomplishments. I'm just saying the stoicism... The, the stoicism stoicism uh th- that is what I see from him and that team that Baylor team they kind of reflect that obviously you've got Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos two former members of BYU staff coming back to Lovell Edwards Stadium for the first time since they departed uh the program a couple of seasons ago but I'm looking forward to this one I think BYU's got a pretty decent shot and especially if they play like they played offense against USF do you need to clean things up absolutely does the defense need to be more uh more stout against the run, et cetera. Absolutely. you got to up the ante the entire way. But as I said, on the postcast edition of the show, the old adage I hear from coaches all the time, you make your most improvement from game one to game two. If that's the case. And you can raise it to another level. I've got a sneaking suspicion BYU is going to get some payback Saturday night on Les's turf. We'll see. It'll be interesting to uh, to track that. All right. We'll round out today's show with some final notes with regards to the BYU football uh, game against USF, as well as look at the weekend that was in BYU sports. Beyond that, We've got all of that coming up as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Want to remind you guys to make sure you check out the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Josh Neighbors does an incredible job getting you up to speed every single day on all things Big 12, BYU's uh, future conference home. Get that free and available right here on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You guys get the get the beat. Uh, Josh is a great dude. I'm always happy to join him on the weekly Locked On uh, Big 12 roundtable. So make sure you check out that podcast. All right, a final couple of notes uh, for you guys before we go here. Uh, from BYU's win against USF and Jeff Hansen from Cougar Sports Insider, a GFOP of the podcast, by the way, does a great job at CSI as well as give him help Brigham. One note that I did not see, uh, BYU puts up the 314 rushing yards led by the 135 yards that uh, you had from Christopher Brooks. Jeff noted this, of the 135 rushing yards that Christopher Brooks had in this game, folks, 123 of them came after contact. This is a dude who got better as the game went along. I was very, very impressed with what I saw from Christopher Brooks in this game. And that's an eye-popping statistic. 123 yards after contact. Obviously, uh, he had a 41-yard run and a 52-yard run that added to that tally. The 52-yard obviously being his uh, first touchdown as a Cougar. But absolutely lights out. He also did note that Jaron Hall, in his uh, showing up against the Blitz, his ability to to kind of pass out of Blitzes, he completed two passes on 12 of 15 blitz attempts, according to what Jeff noted, to the tune of 117 passing yards. That's an 80% completion percentage when teams are coming after you to try and disrupt things. That's pretty awesome from Jaron Hall. So just a couple of statistics that I, I was reading Jeff's piece and I thought it was absolutely lights out. Uh, and Jeff, by the way, like I said, a good friend of the podcast does a great job. I'd encourage you guys to support his ventures over there as well. Alright, final couple of notes before we go here is that South Carolina head coach Don Staley has officially Canceled uh, her home and home series with the BYU women's basketball program uh, on the grounds of saying that as a head coach, it is my job to do its best for my players and staff. In a state, she said in a statement, "The incident at BYU has led me to reevaluate our home and home, and I don't feel this is the right time for us to engage in this series." Now. Don Staley is a very accomplished coach. She has done incredible things in her time at South Carolina. She has made the Gamecocks into one of the preeminent women ba- women's basketball programs. You think of Baylor, you think of UConn, you think of Oregon—some of the great women's basketball programs. South Carolina is right there among them, folks. They're absolutely lights out. Now, do I think that Don Staley wants to make a return trip? Because they were supposed to open the season, by the way. BYU uh, Amber White is supposed to make her head coaching debut uh, at South Carolina on November seventh. That game. Has now been canceled. BYU said they were disappointed. They're looking uh, to hopefully find out uh, a new opponent soon enough, both South Carolina and BYU, which it's rough considering we're uh, just over two months away from the start of the, the college basketball season. But nonetheless, I think Don Staley was capable of two things here. Take a swipe at BYU and uh, make herself look like uh, she was standing up for her program and obviously uh, sticking it to BYU in light of the BYU volleyball incident. But the thing that I think is truly driving this, and I'm not trying to make light of this. I'm not trying to make a, a, anything other than this. Don Staley, I don't think, wants to make a return trip to BYU in 2023-2024 season. She doesn't want to come out to Provo with her program and play a game at the Marriott Center. That's what I think is the true impetus of all of this. Can she take a swipe at BYU and claim it's on the grounds of that? Absolutely. But is my personal take on this is that she doesn't want to make the return trip to BYU and canceling the series outright rather than just paying the buyout? That's why she's going about it. Maybe she is actually standing up for things, but man, I just... (laughs) It screams to me of a, a program that doesn't want to make the return trip. They, they signed a contract to make a return trip to BYU. We're like, eh, maybe we don't want to do that. Let's just get ourselves out. Let's wriggle off this hook, and we're, we're not going to do that anymore. All right, a couple other notes here real quick. BYU women's soccer ranked number six in the country. They got the first home win on Southfield on Saturday night. They beat uh, CSUN 5-0 with 36 shots and four goals in the second half. Big win for BYU, led by Jennifer Rockwood, obviously, as their head coach. BYU's back in action as they uh, return to Southfield this Thursday for their fourth straight home match as they welcome in Arkansas. That'll be at 8 o'clock Mountain Time. It'll be on the BYU Sports Network on BYU Radio if you want to tune into that Thursday night. And then women's volleyball started out their season with a 5 0 record, but uh, things kind of came apart in their matchup against number 10, Pitt, actually the only team last year to beat BYU in the regular season. Well, Pitt also beat BYU on BYU's home court Saturday night, uh, beating them at three sets to one. So tough night for the BYU women's volleyball program. They're now 5 1 on the season rank number seven new rankings will be coming out today of course we'll update you on that women's soccer by the way probably going to drop in the polls a little bit too because they had uh, that draw against colorado we'll update you on how the rankings go but uh Pretty successful weekends all the way around for other BYU teams, but we'll keep you updated on how the rankings shake out, especially with that loss for BYU women's volleyball to the 10th ranked Pitt Panthers. All right, that is going to do it for this Monday, the film review Monday of the podcast. Uh, BYU head coach Kalani Satake, as well as a few of his players, will be speaking to the media. That'll be at noon Mountain Time on Monday. We'll, of course, recap that. As I mentioned, I planning to record with Drake Toll from Locked on Baylor today. We'll get that out to you at some point this week. And also, Clark Barr. stay tuned this week for his weekly appearance cannot wait to hear him talk about his performance against USF, the overall team performance and just overall uh, the the thought as he goes up against one of his former offensive line, two, two of his offensive line coaches in both Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos and hopefully getting some revenge on Baylor fun week ahead folks home opener Saturday night cannot wait for it. we'll have you covered all the way up to the kickoff of that game and hope you guys are all doing fantastic out there thanks again by the way for making us your first listen today want to encourage you guys now if you're an NFL fan I want you to encourage you to check out the ultimate pro football preview 2022 it's an 8 episode extravaganza getting you ready for the NFL season the local team experts of the Locked On Podcast Network plus a betting angle from Lee Sterling of Locked On Bets all combining into one ultimate NFL preview search for the ultimate pro football preview 2022 2022 in the odyssey app youtube or wherever you get your podcast all right that's it have a great day everybody thank you so much for tuning in uh, we'll talk to you guys again tomorrow this has been the locked on cougars podcast see ya hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today